Okay, the day is finally here. Who would have thought that one of, if not the most anticipated movies of this year would be about Barbie? I would have, actually. I don't know why I said that. It's 2023, right? <laughs> well, I love her, so of course I would I would lean into this. <laughs> she is, of course, Barbie, the doll famous for having impossible human proportions. More jobs than George Santos. And for making Marilyn Monroe look positively dowdy. Barbie is back. But did she ever really go away? Maria Teresa Hart is a Barbie expert and the author of Dole, which she describes as a non-fiction pop culture feminist critique of Dole's Dole history and Dole culture. Hello there. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Any day I get to talk about Barbie is a good day. (laughs) (laughs) It must be a busy time for you at the moment. It is a little busy. It's funny because, you know, when I was working on the book, I just sort of think to myself, like, is anyone else a nut about this stuff like me? I I definitely felt alone in my obsession. And then you come to realize with this movie coming out, oh, just kidding. Everyone is super duper into this. It seems like a bit of an obvious question here, but are you excited and have you been excited about this movie? Let's just lay all the cards on the table. Totally. I uh, I am elated. I am just over the moon that this movie is coming out. I didn't actually know that this movie was going to coordinate so well with my book coming out. So I like to picture myself kind of hammering away on my laptop on my little corner of New York City. And somewhere across the city, you know, if you like pan over, there would be Greta Gerwig working on the script of Barbie over in her apartment. So that's my like movie montage version of it. And yeah, I think remarkably, we have come to this topic uh, in a very similar light where I think that we both take a very feminist perspective to this topic, but we both have wrestled with the fact that Barbie is kind of a mixed bag as your intro Mm. points to, you know, she's. Uh, something that we love that brings us so much joy. And then she's also kind of complicated because we have this this iconic toy that has been with us for decades and has always represented this pinnacle of womanhood. So she comes with some of the baggage of having gone through those decades and, and having represented a lot of the things that and attitudes that might have come in the past. Let's talk about that. It's a really interesting point because, you know, Barbie, the first Barbie dolls were released, I think, in, around 1959. Yes. When feminism is very different, unrecognisable compared to what we would, what feminism is, a, if, in so much as you can define such a nebula concept, is, is today. So t- tell me a bit about how Barbie evolves over the decades as a symbol of, of feminism and, and femininity. I mean, you have your first... Barbie that comes out the gate, 1959, your your data is right on point. Perfect. Um, and so she is originally what is called a quote unquote teen model. That's her first job is being a teen model, which mm. may not feel that liberating to our eyes now. But the fact is, some of the things that set Barbie apart was that um, she was a, kind of a gal about town. She was independent. She was single. And she was making her own money. And if you look at the original Barbie dream house, it sort of looks like kind of a cross between a dorm and what might have been back in use in terms of these um, these women's hotels is what they were, how they were built, which is where women would seek lodging when they were unmarried and were career girls. And 
that really was kind of a rarefied set. This is a group of women that it wasn't the norm. They were sort of bucking convention by not immediately getting married, even potentially, let's say, in college, and then moving on and having kids. They, they were having their own lives. And then from there, you progress pretty quickly. I mean, Barbie had a couple careers right out the gate that um, beyond being a model, she started to evolve into being a nurse. I believe she was an editor at one point. And then she quickly sort of started to outpace women in the world as you would see them. So she became an astronaut. And, you know, some people joke that she um, beat Neil Armstrong to the moon (laughs) because she became an astronaut before he did. Um, So you just see this tremendous amount of progress happening in a short amount of time. And much of that was influenced by Ruth Handler, who was the the woman that you could say discovered Barbie. She found this doll prototype when she was on vacation in Europe and decided to model her Barbie on. And with very few changes, that was the doll that went to market. And she herself was a woman that defied convention. She was a mother, but she was also a career woman. And I think that she was kind of ambivalent about um, much of the the role of like wifehood and, and motherhood that had been pushed on her. And Barbie is kind of a little bit of her rebellion. You know, you see her her love for her career and really the way that that is centered in her identity in the way that she shapes Barbie and the iterations of Barbie that move forward. Because it's kind of fascinating then that she's this, you know, Barbie's this career woman. She's got all these different jobs. There's nothing that can stop her. She went to the moon. And yet then on the flip side, it was her body that then yeah. all the criticism stemmed from. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? And it's 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 sort of a balancing act, right? Yeah. So, so Barbie's tricky origin story is that um, if you go all the way back to the beginning, the very like kind of kernel that was the seed that was planted that sprouted into Barbie. That was actually a German cartoon. It was called Bild Lily and it was in a German tabloid. I believe the title was Wilde Zeitung. And it was a cartoon that was, it was really kind of geared more towards men. And it, it featured a very vavumi um, woman who well, these were Germany's lean post-war years. So she was kind of looking for a little bit of help from her boyfriends or her dates that were um, were taking her out. And so I guess you could say that she was looking for a sugar daddy. You know, the, mm-hmm. the progressive way of putting it today might be to say, oh, she was a sex worker. Um, but I think possibly it's a, it's a little softer than that. It's It's that she was she was looking for how to get by in those years using her fast wit and her body and everything that was available. And she had this sort of Mae West character. And she was a huge hit with men at the time. That cartoon became this novelty toy. And when I say toy, what I really mean is a, like a gag gift, like a bachelor gag gift. Mm. You know, men would give each other for bachelor parties and birthdays and whatnot. And there's archival photos of this toy, which the Build a Lily doll is just like hanging out on dashboards and like there's a photo of her like in a cockpit of an airplane. And so that's what she was. She was a a toy that was really with that male gaze. This is the toy that Ruth Handler spots when she's vacationing in Europe. And she realizes that what she's looking at is quite possibly a three-dimensional paper doll. Now, Mm. she's seen that paper dolls are her daughter's obsession. Her daughter, who incidentally is who Barbie is named after, And so she decides to take that doll, make a prototype, and invent Barbie. But she changed very little about that doll. So her proportions, everything about that initial Barbie, has kind of that 
male gaze attached to it and that sort of like super sexy, super vavavumi kind of 1950s starlet look to it. And that is something that carried over almost without any changes. When you look at that initial doll, you'll see they're very, very similar. And so I think that because of that, we've, we've always stayed with this, this look to Barbie. She's evolved a bit. You know, her body has, has been tweaked here and there. Her face has definitely evolved. But that iconic idea of who Barbie is and what her body looks like, it comes from that. And so as you can imagine, it also that has a ton of baggage. And when you take that object and put it into, let's say, a little girl's hands to play with, well, she's going to pick up on the messaging that is around that. Musable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. One thing I've found curious about the past few months is the momentum behind the Barbie film has built relentlessly, you know, like a, like a snowball going down a mountain. It's like the... um. Particularly in the in the in the women in my life of all ages, the genuine serious excitement. Like it started off as kind of ironic, and then more about this movie starts to trickle out, and and it's kind of it's self referential tone. You know the fact that it actually looks quite good, quite interesting, and, and, and funny. And this is in you know grown women, 50, 60 year old women. Like, what is it about Barbie that ignites this fire? Yeah, well, I think a couple things. I mean, first of all, I think this movie is benefiting quite a bit coming out now because specifically, I think we've had a couple of really lean, tough years with the pandemic, the global pandemic, and we are so starved for playtime and joy. And so this movie has come out, and I think it's really given us this opportunity to beam ourselves back to our childhood bedroom and Mm. to our toy box or our backyard and really remember, oh, hey, this is what it felt like to play and to have that joyful experience of building this whole world out of nothing. You know, you'd have the doll and then you would invent everything about her, the whole story, the, the way that she would interact in the world. And I do love that from what I've seen of the trailer so far, Um, they're really capturing those elements of play that feel very genuine. So she doesn't walk down the stairs. She just kind of floats down because you'd never take the Barbie step by step down the stairs and just move her (laughs) from one floor to the other. Oh, no. Um, Or when she's showering, there's no real water. She's just sort of moving her, her arms around pretending to shower because, again, you wouldn't get the doll wet. So there's a lot of things that that feel so genuine about it that I do feel like it has this effect on people watching of like, oh my gosh, suddenly I'm having this almost physical sensation of this is what it felt like to play with this toy. And then I think it's just what Barbie represents. She is this pinnacle of womanhood and girlhood and everything that's being captured in the in the trailers and, and hopefully in the movie is this total exuberant feminine joy, hyper feminine joy and celebrating that hyper femininity, which frankly doesn't get celebrated that much. It gets mocked quite a bit. And then sometimes just instead of mocked, it gets dismissed as something not serious or not worthy of attention. Um, And that's why I think this whole, the whole like Oppenheimer Barbie face off (laughs) is so interesting because you are having this very funny, like boys versus girls at the box office type of, you know, that's sort of the the story. But to me, 
It's also about, oh, here on one hand with Oppenheimer, you have this movie, this very serious movie that is the type of movie that guns for Oscars. It is, you know, the thing that is coded with hypermasculinity is a, is an origin story of the quote unquote great man and how he achieves his greatness and maybe what his possible downfall is. And then on the other side, you have this cotton candy pink, you know, extravaganza with like endless wardrobe and play and and dance sequence being centered. And I think the overall messaging there is like, this is worth your attention too. This this should be considered as well. Why doesn't Barbie get nominated for an Oscar? Um, so I think those are kind of the things that are at play when you see all these different women of different generations getting excited about the movie. Just add to that, I remember getting my first Barbie doll from my dad. Like I, I remember the day. Yeah. I remember playing with her. I had I didn't have a Barbie doll house, I don't believe, but my mum got me a doll house and I like playing with Barbie in the doll house was my activity. And you just love her. You walk into a toy store and you just go bam, straight to the Barbies to see them all lined up. She is part of so many people's childhood. And I think that as well is why so many people are excited, of course. Uh, Maria, while we have you here, got to ask, what sort of Barbie would you be? <laughs> well, I like to joke that I'm a day to night Barbie because I'm a working Love gal. It. So like, you know, Love it's all it. about like having the pencil skirt and then flipping it around. Ta-da, you have like half it underneath and you go out <laughs> on the town. Um, and I love the the whole silliness of her her accessories now because she's very much a product of the 80s. So it's like the giant brick cell phone that she had. And for some odd reason, she had like this white plastic boater hat, which I'm like, why they thought a career girl would wear that. But again, like it's just a product of that time. It's very funny. But the the Barbie doll that um, that stayed with me the most has been Chilean Barbie. And that's because my mother is Chilean. I have family in Chile. And so when that Barbie came out, actually, my mother bought it for herself because she was so Aww. touched by the seeing her culture mm. represented in this doll. And let me tell you, Mattel did their homework because they really got a lot of the cultural details around that doll. They had it down. They they don't always get it right. I will I will mm. say that, and we can talk about that if you like. But <laughs> but they they really got it right with this doll, and that's another moment too, where it's like you know it's so interesting to see how many people felt seen and validated when a doll comes out that represents something in their identity. And that still happens. I mean, I think just this last year, they released the first Down syndrome Barbie. And you have to imagine maybe parents or kids that were super, they're like, oh, Barbie, who is the golden girl of our society, she is that person that represents that pinnacle of girlhood or womanhood. She also is X. She also is, you know, Chilean, has Down syndrome, whatever you want to say, like has that identity, shares my identity. And the validation that you feel being like, oh, this icon is also like me, um, it can't be dismissed. I think that is such an interesting point. I'd never thought about it that way before, but like Barbie is sort of like a a blank canvas for inclusivity at, at all times. And you mentioned before that, like, you can do that wrong. Well, like, I guess it, it, in my mind, I kind of, I, I think maybe it's it's sort of analogous to to comic books in a, in a way. Like, this, the, these are a, a way of expanding your imagination and personalizing a, a recognizable symbol to, to you, no matter who you are. It's a very um, uplifting message, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I get 
folks that come to my readings sometimes and stuff, and they're so eager to share with me who their defining doll was when they were a kid. And it's almost like they're sharing an astrological sign because they're telling me who they are in shorthand, right? When they say to me, oh, mine was peaches and cream Barbie. It's like, oh, I know you now, you know, like mm-hmm. I know the type of, of girl <laughs> you were. I know the woman you became. This also happens with other dolls for me too. Like the American girl dolls is another big one, but it functions as like a personality quiz. Essentially, you're you're hearing someone's whole personality in shorthand and you can really understand who they are on this deeper level. Who are we? Which Barbies are we? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I'm obviously news anchor Barbie. Uh, <laughs> don't know. You can't, a... you can't say who are we and then say, "Well, I'm obviously." Well, I'm just, I'm just helping Maria out. She's only known me for what five minutes. Maria, not Maria's thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, oh, 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 I thought you guys were going to volunteer your Barbies. I was going no. oh, no. back, waiting for you no. to say. We're asking you. Give, give oh, us Barbie. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, if there was a tagline for this Barbie movie, it would be. This Barbie does a podcast, right? Yeah, that would be, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Would be the tagline. We're, yeah. we're podcast Barbies. Podcast Barbies. <laughs> exactly. Podcast Surely yes. she's next on the on the production line. Maria Teresa Hutt, thank you so much for your time. It's been delightful Absolutely. to chat. It was delightful to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Saturday episode of Newsable. We hope you enjoyed it, and we also hope you enjoy the Barbie movie. If you're going to go see it this week. We drop new episodes regularly at 6am Monday to Saturday and we do bonus episodes uh, when there's big news during the week as well. So to make sure you never miss a moment, follow us on your favourite podcast platform and we'll arrive right in your device, no effort required. Catch you Monday. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs>